Health is also about keeping ourselves safe, protecting this temple, which is our body and our physical, emotional state. And Hippocrates said it best, and I'll, I'll read you a quote. And the quote is this, illnesses do not come upon us out of the blue. They come about through small daily sins against nature. How amazing is that? When enough sins have accumulated, illnesses will suddenly appear. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine, sincere hope that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hello and welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. If you are listening to this now and you have become aware and suddenly conscious about the importance of your overall health to protect you, yourself, your family, your loved ones, and give yourself the best chance of protection against external factors. And if you're listening to this at this moment in time, we know that there's a global virus, a pandemic floating about. So this may have raised this topic to your awareness. So if that is the case, then you will love today's episode. And as we know, the number one thing we can do to protect ourselves from the current and future diseases that we have within our control is to take care of our health. Now on that note, the immune system would be the number one place to focus on first. But on this subject, we brought in two amazing experts in to the Growth Tribes podcast to talk about this particular subject. That was Dr. Rob Verkirk and Mel Aldridge. And they deep dived on this particular subject of your immune system. Now, on that note, I highly recommend listening to that episode. It is essential listening. So what is the next thing to focus on? That brings us to today's podcast. We want to share with you a bunch of next steps to suit your situation right now. So, Ro, welcome. And a question to you is, just a general, what do you think of when you think of the word health? And how should we structure today's episode for the listeners so at each point they have an actionable and almost maybe a menu that they can pick and choose from. So over to you, Ro. Mm. Hi, folks, and thank you, Harminda. Welcome to another episode of Growth Tribes. And today I'm super pumped because this sort of fits into a life philosophy that I've had for many years, but also the recipe for success. And I'll talk about the five ingredients in a moment. You ask a question, Harms, 
health. I think if you were to ask me to summarize, I think the word vitality comes to mind more than anything else. The the idea of being vital, the idea of feeling alive and vibrant and being engaged with every moment and feeling as though you're not just getting by as we see so many people. I mean, you know, how many times do we go on? We start wandering down the street and we see people plodding along and they seem to lack this sense of direction and purpose and vitality. And to me, that's somebody that doesn't appear to be healthy. For a lot of people, they think being unhealthy is sitting around slobbing, watching the TV or not necessarily going for a run every day. But I think it's a more holistic approach for me. And I believe you're of the same philosophy. Mm, absolutely. So, how should we go about it? I think if we could fit it into the concept of the the five ingredients that I talk about in the recipe for success, and let me just summarize that. Now, those people that are followers of the growth tribes and are supporters, you have access to these recipes. I just want to share with you the philosophy of the recipe for success. Every single one of us on a day-to-day basis, I believe there's five areas that really make up who we are. There's our mind, which is the conscious place in which we play out on a daily basis, how we manage our time, how we interact with other people, how we live an adventurous life, for example, the practical, more conscious element of how we exist. Then there's the body, which is what we're going to talk about today, which is how we look after what we do with our body, what we eat, what we drink, how we stay healthy physically as well. Then there's the self, which we've talked about in some of our other podcasts, which is to do with things like our identity, our beliefs, our values, etc. Then there's relationships, which is the fourth ingredient. And that's about relationships like we have a great friendship or intimate relationships, family relationships, huge subject in its own right. And then finally, money, chiching, and the sound of money and the feeling of money, our experience of money, our relationship with money. And that includes what we earn, how we earn it, our jobs, our careers, our wealth, our wealth building vehicles. So five core areas. And actually what we do in Growth Tribes is we pretty much address into each of those areas, don't we? We do. And would you say today's episode is mainly focused on the body? Is that fair to say? Yeah, today's definitely focused on body. And I think the way this is going to pan out from you and I discussing this is this is going to stretch over two podcasts. Yeah, I think as we prepared for this and we started to get our mind and we started to discuss around the topic of this, we realized very quickly that Wow, we could talk all day for this. So we are going to split this into two. So this is part one on body. And I love that word you use, Ro, which is a holistic approach. Yeah. So what I hope you, the listener, will take away by the end of this episode is this feeling of having a holistic approach and a holistic understanding of the body and different things you can tap into rather than, okay, I just need to go for a run and that will take care of my overall mm. health. And I think you said something brilliant at the start when you talked about Rob and Mel, who we had on previously. You talked about the immune system. And I want to give us a quote here because health is also about keeping ourselves safe, protecting this temple, which is our body and our physical, emotional state. And Hippocrates said it best. And I'll I'll read you a quote. And the quote is this. Illnesses do not come upon us out of the blue. They come about through small daily sins against nature. How amazing is that? When enough sins have accumulated, illnesses will suddenly appear. This is Hippocrates talking about how on a daily basis, if we can look after, maintain and keep that sense of vitality, our body pushes away those illnesses. But actually, most people blame something that happened. No, it's nearly always, as he stated, a series of uh, small activities that we don't do well to protect ourselves. And what people don't understand is these activities can accumulate over years, over decades. You know, we're talking about 30, 40, 50 years. 
then all of a sudden somebody may approach their, and we're talking to your generation, into their 40s, 50s, 60s, all of, all of a sudden a serious catastrophic illness appears and they feel like it happened at that moment in time. Exactly. And, and interesting enough, so prior to us recording, I happened to share with Harminda a photograph of a, a friend of mine that I've known for many, many years. Now, bear in mind, I'm 54 now, so Harms is actually making a very good point here, is certain things take years to manifest. And I showed him a scar, which pretty much what, what two thirds of the skull. Wow. Yeah. And he had one of the largest brain tumors that had been seen in UK medical history, from what I understand. And the doctors said it had taken something like 13, 14, 15 years to manifest to that size. So when somebody gets into their 40s and they start to show these illnesses and it quote unquote suddenly appears, actually that probably started in the 20s. And, you know, he actually openly admitted he'd been somebody who'd eaten a lot of meat, drunk a lot of beer and not necessarily looked after himself. And now that coupled with other factors this is where things manifest. So it's about the manifesting of illness over time. How can we mitigate that or make against against that? How can we keep ourselves healthy and vital? Because if you're listening in your 20s and I'm, you know, I'm talking to Harminder's age group as well in your 30s, you think, oh, screw that, Dr. Rowe. We'll worry about health in 10, 20 years time. But unfortunately, by then, whatever's got hold of you may have already taken a really deep rooted effect on your body. Agree. It's almost like the damage it's already done. So take this episode and the message that you're going to learn in this episode very seriously. Now, before we deep dive into this episode, Ro, let me just take a second to expand on the recipes for success because one of the perks a Growth Tribe supporter will get is 52 exclusive special emails that on a weekly basis, give them a set action to do within mind, within body, within self, within relationships, and within money. Almost a go-to action point that you can do within that particular week. You can do it all in one day. You can spread it over the week. You can get your family involved. You can get your kids involved. You can get your partner involved, however you want to do it. But it's very much a prompt. And by the way, that's 260 ingredients spread into those 52 weeks. And that's incredible. So you get that directly into your inbox as a perk for becoming a Growth Tribe supporter. Now that perk you can get access to as one of the earliest, easiest perks to get access to by just supporting the podcast from as little as one pound a month. And you can do that instantly at growthtribes.com. You just head over to the website at growthtribes.com and come and support the podcast if you love it, if you enjoy it, if you take learnings and insights and lessons from what myself and Ro and the amazing guests that we bring in talk about, then give us a support. And as a thank you and as a gift in return, we will give you perks depending on what supporter level you are. And all of that will make sense when you head over to growthtribes.com. So do that now, do that in the middle of the podcast, do that at the end of the podcast, but please do support the Growth Tribes podcast. Amazing. Now, Ro, I want to fire another question at you, which is, you know, I've attended your live events and I almost had a realization five, six years ago when I attended Turning Point. And I unfortunately haven't had the pleasure of attending your health event, which was a, correct me if I'm wrong, a one-off exclusive. Now, on these events, we talk about what is important to a person. And another way to define that is what value does somebody live by? Now, often somebody will come up on the stage or they will have a conversation with you or one of your coaches that support people in the event. And they will say, okay, my top value is 
wealth. My top value is family. My top value is mm. uh, maybe money, maybe activities, maybe it's a sport they love to do. These are the values I like to live by. And after a discussion, and it often doesn't take long, maybe five to 10 minutes and a bit of a coaching process, hmm. they realize that actually there's a very important value which should sit either number one or number two. Can you expand on that and what you've observed there? Yeah, so part of it also I think is because I quite openly reflect on what happened to me. So I had a big burnout in my late 20s, early 30s. I was working long hours, wasn't looking after myself health-wise, was pursuing success, was pursuing success, I was pursuing success. <laughs> <laughs> That's ringing true to somebody right now. And you know, I was in that era where it was all about, you know, get a good career, get a good job. I was starting up different types of businesses, looking for opportunities. And in that space was not looking after myself. I just, I was, I, I felt actually indestructible. I've always had a, a high energetic output, a lot of vitality. You couple that with you know, somebody in their twenties who just eats, pumps it out, eats, pumps it out. Although one thing I was very good at was physical exercise. I mean, I, I was, you know, from the age of 18 onwards, always doing sport, always doing exercise. But I grew up in an era of just like throw down a bottle of milk, have a Kit Kat. That's, that's you sorted for the next three or four hours. Yeah, Snickers bar, Mars <laughs> bias. Yeah. energy. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually the energy thing was our misconception. And I think it still goes on, but people are a bit more conscious now. Certainly will be after the end of today. <laughs> but the key thing for me was I started to push my body to a point where even I couldn't cope with it. And I went through a process of what's called values hierarchy exercises, where you look at your core values, you list your values out. I think we may have touched on this on one of our podcasts, actually. We certainly, have indeed. Certainly when we went through the turning point process, the six-step process. Yes. That was one of the exercises we explained to people about. So I very quickly realized for me that I had been living with health about number, I don't know, seven, eight, nine. I think I wrote about this in the book as well, right down on my list. And above that was all these other things. So it was very frustrating for me because I just genuinely wanted to make a change. So this ties into what you asked the question. So when people often come up to me, I just tell my story and they go, that's exactly where I am. So we take the values and they usually list out a whole bunch of values of which health is in there. And each time I ask the question, if you had to choose between these two values to live by success, here's a classic, right? Su success or health, which one is more important? And they look down and I say, I'm going to take these away from you. Imagine living a life without health, without being healthy and vital versus living a life without success. And nine times out of 10, and you've witnessed this, yeah. I get them to picture them in each hand. And as I'm pulling them away, they grab for the health, meaning that's the one I want to hold on to. And if you do that genuinely, health comes above everything else. You want to have a loving relationship. Well, you can't if you're really poor health and you feel shitty and you wake up in the morning feeling terrible. You want to be successful, get out to your work, build your business. Well, how can you do that if you're really unhealthy? You're sleeping badly. You're feeling low on energy. You can't engage with people. I want to go out and be adventurous and travel the world. That's another value of mine. How are you going to do that if you're not healthy? So I discovered very quickly, it was the foundations to everything else I did. So the choice became then live by that value first. And off the back of that, I will already start to feel more successful and have better relationships. I love that. And I think the word successful should be ringing in people's ears because certainly people in, in the 20s or 30s who are pursuing a business and entrepreneurial opportunity, often health gets really just push down the value hierarchy as such to the point where it's just not relevant and it becomes a statement a statement becomes well I'll deal with health or I'll start exercising I'll eat healthy once I make this much money or 
once I achieve this. And that's very common until you reframe it with them and say, okay, well, if you had to choose right now, what's the point of you know pursuing success for 30 years based on the quote we've just introduced to you that if there's a catastrophic illness because you've disregarded your health for 30 years, was it worth it? Was that pursuit of success and money worth it if in 30 years time you've got a cancer or you've got something similar? But the key thing here is, and the younger generation need to listen carefully to this, is that I think you, well, we've all been sold it. We were sold it in a slightly different way, but you get it through social media now is that you want to be successful. Hey, why don't you just fit your health in around what you're doing? So we get all these quick fix diets, you know, these products that are produced that will do the same thing as having a good quality, healthy meal. And I think at the moment, I'm seeing a lot of younger people still being drawn to those, although there is a change in philosophy. There's definitely raising consciousness. There's, you know, veganism has become huge now in terms of awareness. So too has a vegetarian-based diet, but the reality is you can be a vegetarian, eat pasta all day and still be unhealthy. Exactly. Um, you could be a vegetarian or a vegan and have products that have no dairy in them, but they're completely processed. There's no live food and you do no exercise for a whole two years. So you're still not healthy. Exactly. And I think that's an important point. So we've got, we're, it doesn't matter if you're a meat eater, a vegan, a vegetarian, you get nine hours of sleep a night as you'll discover in this podcast going forward is if your food is awful eating processed food and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on a few of those as we go through this podcast then it becomes pointless so on that notes row talking about food and also liquid if we can throw that in is it okay if we we cover these broad categories for example yeah. diet liquid and food what should somebody consider in diet liquid and food and what we can do is almost a quick deep dive so we, we're yeah. just going down down to the uh, bottom of the ocean but we're coming straight up giving somebody an action point and then we can move on to another category say for example we can do sleep and maybe one other but we'll leave that till the end of the podcast okay so so that's a good point so what we're going to do, over the two podcasts we'll, we'll do broad key areas these are like the pillars that you need to be considering and if you listen to this right now and you consider yourself to be relatively healthy already fantastic have a listen it might be a, re a reaffirmation of what you're doing but it might be a ah Shit, I didn't actually realize that. It might be you're listening to it with your partner is going, okay, okay, you've been telling me this for a while. I'm listening to these two guys and actually it makes sense what they're saying. So I like the, uh, the concept of covering diet, sleep, and I think you said vitality. So let's tackle diet. Now, before we go any further, please seek medical advice, dietary advice. This is not intended to be direct advice. This is for information purposes only and educational purposes only. So we have to make that statement, obviously, because we're going to talk about our beliefs and what we've researched and what we actually practice ourselves. I think that's fair to say, Holmes. That's fair to say. So do seek medical professional advice and just be conscious of, you know, your own situation, your own body, your own energy, but maybe you'll take something on board that is useful, but these are our own practices. So Let's go into food and liquid. First thing, I just want to make a statement, and I've said this for years, and I was trying to find an old slide of mine from a from the health event you talked about. I think we ran three of those, actually, so they were ah. quite intense. The last one was six years ago. That is that there is a difference between fuel and nutrition. So when people talk about eating food, if you go out and just eat anything, let's say you go out and have a burger, some chips, and you have a can of Coke. Okay. What you've got there is fuel. Now, if you went out and had potatoes uh, roasted, 
with some peppers, some kale, some green beans, and a handful of, say, blueberries, you've also got fuel. So both those two examples have fuel in them. But the first one is heavily processed, heavily fatty processed, and sugar-based fuel, whereas the second one is grown naturally, will have the natural proportion of nutrients and vitality in it that we have evolved to be able to eat. That's the second one with the blueberries and the green leaves and the vegetables, whereas the first one is a manufactured set of food which can still fuel your body. So you can have fuel, and I'm just going to look to Harms in a minute to ask him if he, this is making sense. You can eat something that fuels your body but doesn't give your body nutrition. Now you imagine feeding that day in and day out, and I see parents sending their kids through, I'm not going to say the name of the brand, but fast food um, stores, burger stores, for breakfast in the morning, and they do that consistently. What happens if you keep feeding a central heating system or a car with fuel that's toxic that could potentially line the engine, uh, line the, the coating of the pipes and cause problems with the spark plugs, etc.? Over a while, something shifts dramatically. So fuel is different to nutrition. I'm trying to simplify that as best I can. I like that. And if you think about where we are in the world right now, it's a, it was a real shame being passionate about this subject and talking about it and embodying it to see the cues around this burger joint or burger joints, no names mentioned, uh, cues so long that they were clogging up the roads because people were desperate to get back to this fuel that is maybe not as clean as the one with blueberries in. A way to, <laughs> another way I was just thinking as you were describing that row is it's almost like how the world is evolving in terms of actual fuel so we've spoken about diesel you know mm -hmm. you fill your cart with diesel it's right. messy it stinks uh, it causes issues in, into the globe and the pollution but also compare that now to electricity you plug in your electric car or hybrid and that runs silently it runs clean it runs efficient and it has no uh, emissions that get emitted into the earth so think about it as are you eating diesel are you putting diesel into your body or are you putting that pure electric fuel into your body which keeps you clean and running efficiently and that leads me into a term that i started using and actually a good friend of mine um, from about 20 years ago used to use this a lot as well when he used to run uh, raw food style cooking sessions well uncooking i should say and uh, workshops and he's talking about clean burn i'd read about clean burn elsewhere and it became a bit of a phrase clean burn is the term that i want you to think of when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed has your body burned clean fuel and nutrients or dirty, as we just talked about there, smoky fuel and nutrients? So the, the purer the food is that you put into your body and the purer the liquid is you put into the body, then your body is able to burn that in a clean way and then you feel clearer. Now, people say to me, but, yeah, but what do you mean? How can I tell the difference? Easy. The phrase is food hangovers. Look for the signs of food hangers. Now, you've heard of a drink hangover. You know, if I hammer Harminda with a whole bunch of beers, some whiskey and some vodka, bearing in mind the two of us don't really drink. You won't see me for a couple of days. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Essentially, what happens is you get very fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Now, I have on occasions over the last 10 years had, had the occasional glass of beer. Literally, you can count it on a handful of times. And I notice the difference just there. Now, that's an alcoholic hangover, but it's not even a hangover. It's just a fuzziness for me. If we talk about a food hangover, the primary reason for a food hangover is because most people, number one, eat at the wrong time. In other words, they eat too late. So now they've gone to bed eating food that's not actually serving them, possibly taking too long to digest. Classic example, meat can take hours, hours 
hours to digest in your intestines, small and large intestines, whereas a vegetarian or a vegetable or a whole grain based food diet can take literally 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half to digest a lot quicker. So somebody that eats heavy sugar based, meat based type foods at night, their body then spends most of the night working really hard to break it down. Whilst your body should be repairing, it's actually breaking down food and processing. And the same thing with alcohol as well. And that also puts your body into what's called acetosis. Now, that's where you get, and we'll talk about this maybe a bit later, certainly in the second podcast. Yes. Acid in the body. So what's the result of that? Easy. You look for the symptoms. The symptoms are you wake up in the morning, fuzzy head. So you're feeling a little bit muggy in your brain. You can't explain it. You know, you went to bed well, okay, I went to bed at 12.30, it's now 6.30, so I've got about six hours sleep, surely that's all right. I'm feeling a bit fuzzy. I don't really spring out of bed, I feel kind of heavy. I had that a little bit this morning and I was sharing with Harminda that I wear a ring and you know, the last three nights in a row, two things I've noticed. One is I've been eating later because we've been doing a lot of stuff on our house, uh, renovations. And secondly, I've average gone to bed at one o'clock to try and catch up with some work. And then I'm still up with the builders that are arriving on site at seven o'clock in the morning. And uh, a message I sent him earlier, was, I just feel I'm lacking vitality. That's a massive sign for me for a food hangover. I'm feeling drowsy. So if you feel drowsy and sluggish and you can't focus, in other words, you get given a task and you just can't seem to focus and get it done. You get that sense of frustration. That's another one I've noticed as well when I get a food hangover. So um, that's a good one, Rose. So the, the lack of focus if you are in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and yeah. you are sitting at the desk and, and literally the words in your front of your eyes are going blurry, if you can't focus on a task for more than five, 10 minutes without feeling distracted or feeling you need to go to phone or away from this difficult task you have to do, then you may want to look at what food you ate prior to doing that task, what food you ate yesterday, what food you ate in the couple of hours leading into that, because the focus one is really detrimental mm. to how much output you have, how oh, much you totally. actually get done. Yeah. And and this is where frustration comes in. So often people are frustrated externally, but actually they're just not feeling engaged with themselves. And that's another thing that you need to look for is a sense of engagement. Hunger pangs. Now that might sound contradictory because if I've eaten late last night, why would I be hungry? The problem with eating bad food late and sugar-based food is actually your body, especially if it's toxic or you've got a lot of processed food, there's a lot of stuff that gets done chemically with food that dulls our body's mechanism for telling us we've had enough food. In other words, it actually makes us crave more food. Same thing if you eat a bag of crisps, for example, I'm not going to say that the brand, but you know, those flat crispy Yeah, those, those flat, uh, thin crisps. Yeah. <laughs> when you eat them, you just keep eating them. Because actually in there, there's some nice little processed stuff that turns our sense of need to stop eating off. Whereas if you eat two bananas, you, you're done. Nature goes, you know what? You've had enough naturally, but not with processed food. Mm. So you wake up in the morning, you've got hunger pangs. Maybe that's to do with sugar and candida in the blood. And there's, that's another conversation for another day. A general lack of how you feel. Uh, sorry, a general lag in how you feel. So you're feeling lagging. You're just feeling like a slow feeling. Lethargic. And what's interesting, Ro, is when people feel, you know, I think you've given them six or seven different signs to look out for. When people feel this way, they almost get into this weird cycle of, mm, it's just one of those low days. I'm yeah, going to yeah, treat yeah. myself to a pizza. I'm going to treat myself to a burger on the way home. Right. Because I'm tired, I now don't have the energy to cook myself a healthy meal. Or a double co coffee or something or like that. Or a double coffee or a double espresso. And the espresso you know, is drunk late at night. So it keeps you awake later, which means you're tired the next day. And this, there's, you end up in this vicious, vicious cycle because breaking that cycle is pretty tough to then go to a healthy meal because here's a question, Rose. So in your health events, when you, st 
you know, on your health events, you actually supplied people in the audience with these healthy, nutritious meals. What was the impact of that on them? Did they suddenly feel like, wow, I feel great? Or was there a, a certain effect that took place, like a detox effect possibly? Well, they actually, they didn't have it as a meal as such. Well, we, we had two models we ran. One okay. was, everything was raw. Everything was raw. So it was juices and raw food. That was it. But the raw food only got introduced on the third day. For, for most part, they just had smoothies and juices for the whole of the, the event. So you imagine sitting in a seminar that goes from about nine till eight at night. And all you're having is water, juices and smoothies, oils. Okay. So they only had nutritionally what their body needed, but in a, in a form that helped them cleanse. So most of them got pissed off, got frustrated, got angry, not, in a, not towards me, but because they felt their body detoxing. Yes. So in other words, they were getting this real, and if anyone's ever done this, if you've ever done any form of a cleanse, it takes three days typically for it to really hit a low and you just go right down into a dark place. They are tough three days. I, I, we do yeah. one once a year. Yeah. And, it, and the thing is, even if you're fairly clean, any toxicity that there is going to come out. Because basically what you're saying to your body is, I'm, not, I'm going to stop loading you with all the sugary uppers, all the energetic uppers, the processed food and the processed salt that you kind of thrive at the moment. And all you're going to get is pure, clean food. So the body goes, right, I can detoxify now. And we'll probably cover this more in the second podcast. And that detoxification means that your liver, your kidneys, your, your lymphatic system, your blood goes great. All the fresh stuff is coming through. It's a bit like, you know, when you wash out a sink and it's dirty mm. and you run cold water into it first and it kind of comes up, then it clogs in the sink. Mm. Then you sort of, um, the drain, then you kind of wash it down with more water. And this is a cleanse again, day two. And you keep doing that. And it seems to be piled up and you go, bloody hell, I've got to get this out. Finally, you get that final flush through and all the water goes through the sink and out. That's what I'm going to detox. Your body does the same thing with any toxicity. And yeah, so people, in answer to your question, people got a bit grumpy. Good friend of ours, you know him well, Ravi, he came through. And at the time he was, uh, you know, beyond his normal weight. And he literally did three days of this. He was throwing up on the first day Incredible. Uh, because his body was releasing toxicity very quickly. So it's safe to say when somebody enters this cycle of I'm tired, I'm eating poor food, I'm eating food that's not clean, it's not satisfying to then go and grab a healthy meal. Like, so not, 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 it's not satisfying. You to won't get the cycle. You won't, no. Yeah. You're just no. not going to achieve be a, There might be a feeling of psychologically or consciously, this is the mind coming in now. Oh, I'm, at least I'm eating something healthy. But the mind plays tricks because after a day or two, how come I still feel shitty? Yes. Uh, this is bullshit. This doesn't work. This healthy stuff doesn't work. It takes 30, 60, 90 days of consistency before your body really cleanses right through. I mean, the ce certain parts of our body, I think it's the liver or the kidney, replaces virtually every cell within a, a period of two or three months. So, you know, in a year, most of your cells have replaced themselves, but it needs the right nutrition. Incredible. So talking about needing the right nutrition, there's two questions then. What's a quick list of things to avoid? We have mentioned a few, but what yeah. are the nutritional things to then take on board? Right. Especially if the listener's not doing this right now. So, um, I mean, essentially for me, and I know it's the same for you as well, because you have the same philosophy, is I'm looking to avoid chemically heavy foods. So foods that have got a lot of ease in them, that are loaded up, heavily processed foods. And you just look at the label and you can see that. You know, if, it, if it's like a quote unquote, a meal in a box, bang, How's that got there? They must have had to pull loads of stuff together. How come it can stay on the shelf for so frigging long? Exactly. A yeah. sell by date a month away. Yeah. <laughs> or, or in some cases, months away. Yeah. You know, you look at it, you go, oh, that's like four months from now. If you took a cabbage or, a, you know, beans or 
we talk about blueberries and you left them on a shelf for four months, you're not going to touch those because mm. nature said nutrients gone now. Let's let bugs and everything come in, break it down, take it back in the ground, let that nutrient feed back into the soil and then go back into the tree, go back up into a new fruit. Isn't that interesting? Nature will want the blueberry back, yeah. but they won't want a burger back. It's <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. I mean, there's been classic cases. Somebody was telling me that they there was a burger that had been found in a bunker or something you might have heard the story but it <laughs> yes. was found in a bunker i think it was in the states one of these uh, these nuclear bomb shelters and you know it was years years later in its original package when it was opened up it, it looked exactly the same it still was as fresh oh my god <laughs> it's, it's crazy sugar-based drinks when i say that i mean stuff where you know they've had to sweeten it and if they say uh, no sweeteners then just check that they haven't or if it says no sugar, they may have used a sweetener. An so artificial sweetener, Right, yes. so the, the play on the words is where it comes in. People go, oh, look, it's got no sugar. Actually, all they've done is they've switched the word sugar for something else that's in there. Because the body, again, I'm going to make a statement, seek advice, go and look this up yourself, but this is my personal view. Sugar is like heroin to the blood. I mean, it is so damaging. I think there's enough evidence now to show this. Is, you don't have to sit and watch Netflix documentaries, read articles. There's a massive consciousness about sugar at the moment. And addictive. It's hugely addictive. Yeah. So dairy is a subject which we could talk about for a whole podcast. Now, this is an optional one for you. For me, I do have dairy occasionally. Harminder is pretty much 100% vegan. I am not vegan. I have been in and out of being vegan, but our kids probably are about 85 to 90% dairy free. Where I tend to have dairy myself is if I'll have maybe an ice cream if I'm out occasionally with the kids and I'm just being straight. So, cause what we don't want to do is teach you something and say, we're gods and we're angels and you know, we're, we're gurus in this. We're not, what we're doing is we're talking about having a pragmatic approach to this because I've found in the past, if I go out and I try and avoid everything equally, that can be frustrating. That can create stress in the body yeah. and that stress can actually put an unhealthy feeling in your body. So Tony Robbins, I learned from him years ago, I think called zig and zag. Zig is where you go in the right direction and zag is where you have the occasional day where you treat yourself to something that maybe overall isn't good for your health, but occasionally is not going to you know, cause you massive damage. So we have zigzag days and roughly it's about 85, 15% kind of switch uh, yeah so my version of that is the 80 20 principle i will be as good yeah. as i can when i say good is is everything we're talking about today as good as i can for 80 percent of the time and i'll just look at a week so you just take your seven days yeah you know five of those seven days or the uh, five out of the seven days worth of meals are they clean are they the, the are you avoiding the list that rose just explained to you a classic example is and harminder will know this pretty much on my doorstep there is an amazing organic farm and they you know people come from all over the country and certainly in the south anyway to go to it there's a cafe attached to it and they make milk from the farm and it's a raw milk and i've never tasted a coffee like it with this particular milk so if i'm having a dairy-based coffee for example i might have that there but then later on in the week if i'm out with harms i'll have a, an oat milk latte for example so it's about and it's important we make this point because you listen to a podcast, like podcast like this, and people go, "Oh fuck, this is too much hard work." Yes, you know, I don't want to eat healthy. I'm just going to go and grab something shitty. I'll get, I'll get some fast food. But here's my challenge to you, right? If I was sat opposite to you right now, and we were sat in my car together, and there's a burger joint right next to us, and you go, "Ro, I'm going for a burger." I said, "Why do you need a burger?" Well, I just need to get some energy. Okay, but why do you need to get? I just need to get. I just need some fast food. And I held out in a split second a banana to you. There's your fast food. How can it be any faster than that? 
It's in your hand. You got a banana. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, I kind of felt like a bird. And, and if I'm in the back seat, I'll peel the banana for you. How about that? And <laughs> that's even faster. <laughs> I mean, that's fast food. So it's a misconception that we use this term yes. fast food. Uh, it, it's also a misconception, but it's also a marketing ploy. So fast food is a slogan and that's been embedded into our psyche for a long time now. So I do understand why they think that's fast food, but there is food that's faster. It's faster than going and sitting in a restaurant. Yes, yes. Um, but not faster than Harminder peeling you a banana, two apples and a bowl of blueberries literally in front of you while you're sat there. And this is a cycle. And then, you know, you get to the counter and it isn't so fast now because, oh, would you like some fries with that? Not very healthy, by the way. And then all of a sudden it's 10 minutes now because, oh, do you want some, would you like, how to get a meal deal? There's some cola here as well. So now basically yes. fast food has become a troughing exercise for basically processed sugar. Exactly. So is there, is there a couple of other things somebody should avoid? I think, you know, look for things where they talk about reduced fat. I don't want to get into that too much, but there's a whole new uh, revelation on the studies around fat from the 70s. I think a famous, there was a famous bit of research was done in the States and his research has showed that if you had too much fat in foods, it could cause you problems with your health and that everyone talked about cholesterol. And one study came out, which a lot of the big food pharma and industries like that, and if you go and watch the health and some of these documentaries that you can see on Netflix, etc., you'll hear some of this research done and they could never reproduce that same research. And it was so skewed that a whole new generation of buying and selling came into place, which was basically cut fat out of your diet. Another marketing ploy. Another marketing ploy. And what that meant was by stripping out the fat, you lost the natural flavoring that things have when they've got fat. You know, there's even fat in avocados, for example. And so that was replaced with sugar. And then suddenly we became this sugar addicted culture. It's interesting. You mentioned avocado. You never see a low fat avocado. <laughs> I'm just really, this is really just making me think of different scenarios. Nobody pulls the fat yeah, yeah, out yeah, of yeah, a yeah, fruit. Yeah. Nobody pulls a fat out of a reg- vegetable. Some people, of course, get their fats from good fat, fats from fish. They don't extract the good fats from a fish. Coconut, I mean. Coconut, you know, you know so. Hmm. It, it's, it, yeah, it's funny. It's a good point. And then the other thing is, you know, to freeze or not to freeze. I, I think you've got to be careful. I think a lot of processed frozen food, and if it's processed, it's virtually got no nutrition. But if it's if it's plucked and it's not organic and then it's frozen, you know, how long was it plucked for before it got frozen? There's a difference between plucking something and instantly freeze drying it, for example, or even instantly freezing it, where you can lock in some nutrition versus something that's left frozen a little while later. It's got no t- nutritional value. So consider how much of your food is frozen versus how much is fresh. I think that's a good conversation to have as well. I love that. So now we've discussed the things to avoid. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, be critical on what you eat. Be honest, be open, have a look at the last 24 hours, have a look at the last week, have a look at the last month. Now, the next question, Ro, is what should we eat? What should we be replacing these things with? Because the, the truth is, this makes up most people's diet. And what's an approach they can take or a way that they can just quickly understand yeah. what kind of nutrition to have instead? Okay, so, so what we'll do, we'll work up a bit of a food pyramid and I'll go tag with Harminder. So I'll do kind of one level of the pyramid. Harms can do another one. So you get a bit of a balance from the two of us. There's different approaches to this and everybody's got a different concept of what the food pyramid is. Now, I'm not referring to the government food pyramid and there was a government American food pyramid and there was a UK-based food pyramid. And I'm not here to put any of these down, but it was very convenient that that food pyramid included certain foods that were arguably heavily processed or possibly even had some financial benefits, shall we say, from being (laughs) being promoted. So we're going to talk 
primarily from a nutritional perspective. And there's various people that have talked about that. You, you may have heard of Dr. Todd. He had a superfoods pyramid many years ago, and there's different versions of it. So we'll just work up it. And this is sort of a philosophy that myself and Harminda adopt. And you may have heard in our interview with Dr. Rob Verkirk and Mel as well, when they talked about the, the colors of the rainbow. And if you haven't gone back to listen to that, you should listen to it. So let's start at the bottom of the pyramid. So what I'm looking for essentially is the base of my pyramid, which is what I want to get. And as we got the pyramid, maybe it's less of the quantity wise, it's, it's more at the bottom than further up the top. There are lots of leafy greens as fresh as possible. So kale, I mean, kale, if you can break it up, rub some olive oil into it, tiny little bit of sea salt, for example, that's lovely to have in a salad. A lot of people think you have to boil kale. Personally, if I'm going to cook kale, I'm going to go for a lightly steam because the problem with boiling is you take out all of the Yes, in very high nutrition. heat. Yeah. The heat can, that's why people go for raw food because above 40, whatever it is, degrees, it, it, you know, it starts to lose certain power. The enzymes get broken down, etc. So we want to be really careful about that. So kale, broccoli is a mass. I'm a massive fan of broccoli. My kids are big kale and broccoli fans. Cabbage, which is good as well for the intestines. And this is interesting, Well, I've seen your kids eat broccoli like they are crisps. <laughs> And I was just amazed. I, I did not think that was possible for kids. When I saw your kids eat it, I was like, now I need to get my children to be eating broccoli like their crisps well, or like their fries. Well, actually, I mean, we, we have a dehydrator and we, we, we dehydrated them. So they even became crispy and they like that Amazing. as well. Actually, we've got to talk about drink as well before we wrap the section up. Okay. And I remember you making a comment about you saw Liv, my youngest, the other day. There was an orange juice option when we were all sat down having a meal. And one of the options was an orange juice and she went for the water and you were like, oh my God, a five-year-old went straight for the water. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. You know, the pure, clean intake. So look for these leafy greens. Uh, you know, other things you might want to consider are your, um, you know, you've got your curly kale, you've got your dark kales, all right? So there's negro kale is a term for it. I think that's the phraseology. There's different language they use. Also, we we tend to, as often as we can, we'll put salad leaves with food. So uh, try and go for a mixed salad. So rocket, normal, lettuce, cucumber, lots of fresh greens. So if you're looking at doing a mix, you might have a salad added to something in the afternoon, but then in the evening you have your, your heavy green-based food as well. That So the reason it's built at the bottom of the pyramid is because you can have a lot of that. You can digest a lot of it and it's not bulky and it just is so alkalizing to the blood and it's got loads of good nutrient for you. Amazing. And what I love about the leafy greens is you can have most of them raw. You know, you can chuck them in a juice. You can have most of them raw. I know we'll talk about drinks in a moment. Now, if we take a step up that superfoods pyramid, and again, there's lots of versions of them. The next thing we want to introduce is color. So we've got the greens and we've got different shades of greens in our food. The next thing we want to think about is how do we add a touch a big touch of color and think about this with the phrase rainbow veggies. So vegetables that have color associated with them. So think about celery, think about peppers, you know, the red, green, yellow peppers. You can buy those three packs and they're fantastic. Also in this category are onions and garlic as well. So now we've got this base. Think of the base as a strong foundation, like well described. And the step up from that are rainbow vegetables. If you're walking around the supermarket, they are striking because they are colorful. So they're very easy to pick up. Now, Ro, after rainbow veggies, what comes next? So we want to start bringing in some natural balanced proteins. And, you know, there's different ways to look at this. Uh, we, uh, and have been actually for a long time, are big fans of quinoa. That's how we pronounce it anyway. Quinoa. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Many years people used to argue over how do you pronounce it. So quinoa is 
a, such an easy food to take. Um, it's easy, you know you can soak it and then mix it with a salad. You can add flavoring to it. You can actually have it with a warm meal as well. But it is really, really rich in protein. So for me, that's a big one. Um, peas is another one. So we're big fans of peas. Uh, Hamindra and I, if you're looking, if you're training and you're somebody that trains a lot, there is a pea protein based protein powder. And I think we'll probably talk about this on another interview because we're bringing yeah. in a special guest, aren't we? Let's get the guest who can describe that, to that the process amazingly. Yeah. 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 Because, it, because if you're a heavy trainer and you do a lot of sports, then often people say, well, I need a certain amount of protein, which is correct, you do. But there are ways to get it without you having to turn to sort of meat-based food. A couple of things as well. So we're looking at legumes and actually pulled up a few other ones to consider as well. So you've got things like red beans, green peas. You've got your edunamis, which have become very popular over recent years as well through some of these uh, great food outlets, kidney beans. Be mindful of too many of these. So again, I'm not going to tell you how much, but in proportion, for example, if you're somebody that goes for lentils or you go for kidney beans, if you have too heavy a meal, sometimes you can get bloated. Yes. And that's partly because of the breakdown of carbs versus protein in some of these. So it's mixing it with the greens. Remember, when you have greens, they are neutral. Where the conflict comes is when you start mixing too many carbohydrates with proteins. And, and this is a different type of diet altogether when people talk about this. So the greens become a neutral. The vegetables, as we just heard about, the color vegetables are great. So you might add in some, for example, some chickpeas, or you might add in some quinoa, or you might add in some lentils. But you wouldn't have too many. You wouldn't have lentils, chickpeas, quinoa, legumes, all in the same. No, because that's where you get a part of, of the meal. Right. Yeah. And that's actually quite filling as well. So I just wanted to just to have a couple more to add to that. Fantastic. Now we're getting, we're going higher up the pyramid. So remember, as we go higher up the pyramid, we're having less and less of these for various reasons. And the next item we want to consider is we've discussed rainbow veggies, but now let's talk about rainbow fruits. So the bananas, the blueberries, the strawberries, the blackberries, the raspberries, and the list goes on. These are fantastic fruits to now also introduce you won't be having as many as you would have in terms of vegetables and leafy greens but you want to include them in your diet so think of that they have their own special section in the supermarket as well so those are rainbow fruits less of less of them in terms of leafy greens mm. but do include them they've got fantastic properties as well i mean the other thing as well is just adding to that is with blueberries the darker the berry as a rule of thumb, the higher the antioxidant content. Interesting. And the philosophy is, and you can look this up yourself, but I studied this when we started looking into health more, is when a berry or a fruit has to fight hard to come through and fight the temperature, the climate, and especially like a bush that's fighting in the countryside, for example, it produces a very robust berry. And that berry is often extremely high in antioxidant. The acai berry is another classic example mm. of that, which you can get in a juice form, you can get in a berry form. It's quite bitter. Mm. And that's the one thing about these type of berries. They are very bitter, but they've got massive antioxidant, very good for fighting problems we have with oxidation. If you had fried food and stuff that degrades the blood, Some this of the is toxins. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's, I mean, you know, nice and colorful. I think that's the key message there. That's it. Then we go up to omega-3. Now, omega-3 can be got through fish oils. Remember that as well. Uh, but it can also be got through nuts, 
seeds. And if you're wondering, with omega-3, one of the main things is with omega-3, and I used to wonder what, you know, is omega-3, 6, 9, but 3 is very big because it's, it's very good for reducing inflammation. There's a lot of arguments to say that it helps with heart disease, but again, seek advice because I don't know what your current diet is. Um, so this is why doctors have always encouraged people to have either, you know, fish oil tablets, or if not, you can turn to flaxseed, you can get flaxseed oil. So one of the things that we've done historically is, although it tends to be more me than the kids, is you can put flaxseed on salad as a salad dressing, or you can mix it into a smoothie. It doesn't have the nicest taste, so you may maybe counter that with a squeeze yeah. of lemon or whatever, which is also alkalizing. Chia is very good as well. Chia I'm okay with. My kids make chia puddings, but I can't have huge amounts of chia. I find it a bit globular for me. Yes, um, it's quite granular, and it's it's very hard to wash off it the is. juicing machine. <laughs> Actually, that's a very good point. But it makes a brilliant uh, a sweet. You can have it as a pudding with some fresh berries on the top, and it's amazing. And, of course, you've got all your nuts and seeds. So many of them, I don't even want to mention them here, but go and have a look up omega-rich fats in seeds and nuts. Yeah, really and some of them are so potent and powerful. For example, a Brazil nut or a walnut, and you only yes. have to have one every couple of days or one a week, and you get your kick for that week. That's how potent these nuts are. So again, we're going up the pyramid. So remember, it's less in quantity compared to, say, the leafy greens. Then the final thing, well, one of the final things to consider is functional foods. So functional foods would probably play a part in everyday cooking. So think about herbs and spices, yeah. spices such as turmeric, chili powder, and then other things you can add. Which, by the way, do have, you know, each of these have some very good benefits when mixed in certain proportions. Yes. Um, uh, a tip on turmeric is a pinch of black pepper helps the digestion of turmeric. Yes. And I went years having turmeric without understanding this. So we've introduced that recently to uh, allow the turmeric to absorb a lot easier. Then you've got things that you can add into porridges and add, add into natural raw desserts. For example, dark chocolate, mm. uh, cacao powder, and these amazing additional supplements that you can introduce. So we used to do a section on the health event, which we introduced maca, medicinal mushrooms, yes. reishi. I mean, there's, there's reishi mushrooms. There's, there's some really powerful stuff. Can take quite, taste quite strong, but you could mix them into teas. Mm. So you've got your medicinal herbs and teas, herbal teas at the top of the pyramid there. So you're not eating huge amounts of this. Yes. Amazing. Um, so that's kind of a balance. Uh, if you said to me about, just could we tackle, just drink very quickly. So before we move on to drink, if another reference point to this, and me and my wife spent probably a year studying this book, and the book is called How Not to Die. And if you want to fast forward that, I will put in the show notes a similar version of what we just described here, which Brilliant. he calls the Daily Dozen. And the Daily Dozen gives you a list version nice. of what myself and Ro have just described as part of this pyramid, yeah. because some people prefer lists, some people prefer the visual, yeah. and that should hopefully help you get started. So if you can include that Daily Dozen every single day, then in terms of food, you are so ahead of the game in terms of taking care of your body. Now, Ro, what do you want to discuss when it comes to liquids? Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's a big subject, but I think let's just keep it simple. Just think pure, just think pure. So if you're drinking a heavily sugared, artificially flavored soda drink, you've got to ask yourself the question, you know, when I evolved as a human being, was that around? You know, when I was running around a thousand years ago, was there a cafe fruit machine that, uh, that sold soda machines? And the answer is no, sold a drink, sorry. And I think naturally we've turned to it because it's quick. I mean, I had a bunch of builders on my site just before COVID and afterwards there must have been 20 or 30 
uh, cans of red something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, you know, it's caffeine-based, sugar-based drink that was there. That stuff is intense. Um, and, but I mean, for your build team, you want them to be really <laughs> alert. And on the well, ball. they certainly plowed on. But again, you know, the body can only take so much of that. And the impact of it on the, you know, the internals, the amount of sugar and stuff is, is, is quite scary. So look, keeping it simple, Harms, it's basically just water and then derivatives of that. So I tend to wake up in the morning. One of the first things I do is I will just have a clean glass of water. I'm not talking about tap water, ideally mineral water. Mm. Another conversation for another day. We have spring water near us. So we're quite fortunate to get that yeah, uh, because it's so close. But it's just giving your body, you know, it's, it's called a break fast. You're breaking a fast. So depending if you're an intermittent faster or not. But for me, I like it because it also helps the facilitation of cleansing in every way i.e. You go for a pee you go for a poo the body lets to- toxicity out usually wake up if you do a little bit of a jiggle you move around that starts the lymphatic system the blood system starts to pump again because you're now vertical so this whole concept of having water versus going to sugar caffeine tea which are not really natural unless you go something like a mint tea another couple of derivatives of that like this morning i had two glasses of salt water meaning uh, half a teaspoon to a teaspoon of Celtic sea salt. Which I have right here. Yeah. So that's okay. keeping me going during this podcast. So that's a little bit like a saline drink. It's like a mineralized drink. And that has, and I'm not going to go into the detail, but if you use Celtic sea salt, that's got like 80 something minerals packed into it. And I'll take that first thing in the morning. So I usually do clean water and then two salt or one salt and another salt spread over maybe 20 minutes. So it's not just a rush into the body. And why that's important, though, I think is, you know, if, if you are defaulting to tap water or whatever it is, a lot of the minerals have been extracted Correct. from this in the, in the clearing process, in the clearing, the clearing process, process to make sure it's clear for the general public. So this is a process of remineralizing that water. That's right. And lemon can do that. Lemon alkalizes the blood. So it might be acidic by nature, but it's alkalizing to the blood. So lemon squeezed into water is also very cleansing. And then, of course, during the course of the day, if you can, myself and Harminda, because busy schedule, sometimes what we'll actually do is drink something called a green drink. It's a very specific developed drink which has got something like 70 plus different minerals and vegetables and greens in it balanced in such a way that it hits the main body systems and it's phenomenal i've interviewed the scientists that developed it and in fact we're going to be getting in a specialist aren't we in a couple of weeks to talk about this i believe that'll be fantastic they can give you a deep dive on why that's so important yeah so that's that's a green drink but ideally if you can make yourself a fresh juice now if you did 10 apples and a whole bunch of sweet things like carrots and made a juice from that, although it's fresh and natural, you wouldn't naturally eat 10 apples. Exactly. So what people make the mistake of doing is having lots of juices, but in a disproportionate amount of vegetables, or or in this case, fruits that they would normally have. So given a choice, I'm going to typically go for a green juice with maybe an apple squeezed into it. I get my liquidity from something like a cucumber, Mm -hmm. maybe some water in there, and then celery, etc., so that's also very healing celery. Um, that's in that bottom leafy section. Interesting. Green. And I think if you are, if you want to go hardcore with this, which I'll be honest, we do on a daily basis, that food pyramid we just spoke to you about, we literally blitz up that proportion in a blender and we just drink that. So we'll have the leafy greens, rainbow veg, balanced proteins, rainbow fruit, omega threes, and it's pretty hardcore. It doesn't always taste nice every day, but we just sort of use that as sometimes a meal replacement. Yeah. Um, And you can put your flaxseed in if you want to as well. We put the flaxseed in and these blenders are amazing. They just blitz it up into a liquid form. Yeah. So, I mean, the message here would be if you're doing juicing, not too many fruits and just think about clean, clean, Mm. clean, clean. And through the day, 
keeping up that topping of water. And that's something that I'm sometimes prone to not doing if I'm really engaged with my speaking. So I have to sometimes be prompted by my team, drink water, drink water. That's and fantastic. it doesn't always help to drink a lot of water in one go. It's better like you're doing now, sipping. I came to the office, didn't uh, bring any water with me. So I'm okay, actually. I've got, you've seen me, I've got quite a long Some people literally dehydrate massively, but I somehow managed to yes. find a balance. But I can usually tell it. And your dehydration will come from your lips, typically, your tongue getting a bit stickier, a slight heaviness. And when you blink, you feel a slowness. That's all usually a big sign of dehydration. Absolutely. So linking this whole section back to the recipes for success. And if you was to receive this email as a Growth Tribe supporter, you'd get one direct action to just prompt you, to give you an idea. That's right. To get you doing something. So... What links to the last thing we just mentioned is one of the recipes for success ideas for a particular week. And remember, there's 52 different weeks talking about this particular topic around health is one, make yourself or buy a fresh green base juice without any additives. Now, number two, just as a caveat to that is it's pretty hard to get a green-based juice without any additives. That's from a regular supermarket, it's pretty tricky. So we would encourage you to make yourself one and make it a bit of an experience as well. Any blender will do. Just use what you have, have fun with it, taste it. The first time you have a green juice like this, from my perspective, it was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> and there's juices and smoothie blenders. So yes. you know, a, ju a juicer will extract or cold press that's a conversation for a whole different podcast versus say something like a blender where you can put it all in and create a smoothie from it um, and it's a bit more bitty mm. you can chew on it so i mean look that that is one of the ingredients of 260 and people say well how can i have memory jogs this is the whole point of it you literally get every single week a set of these ingredients and it just reminds you oh yeah i'll do that i'll do that and it fits into health it fits into mind body self-relationship etc and there's one for you. Make a fresh juice or buy one without any additives. Exactly. So that's the first action point and note to make. Now, that's the first headline we've spoken about, your diet and the liquids and the foods that you will take in as part of that diet. Now, the next critical component, and it's arguable that this is possibly the number one consideration based on a lot of the science that's now appeared in recent times, and that is sleep. And this really came into my awareness row when I had read the book, Why We Sleep, Matthew Walker. Now, there's another great book which came before that, which is called The Sleep Revolution, which, is, which has more of a story around it. That's from Huffington, that incredible entrepreneur. She's amazing. And she just sort of spoke about her sleep exhaustion led to a point literally just collapsing in the office. Yeah, I think Ariana Huffington, when she wrote that, really woke a lot of people up to the fact that, okay, I'm thought I'm performing well, but actually my body's being affected by this lack of sleep. Exactly. That whole success versus health discussion we had at the start of this podcast. Now, the science, there was a book which came alongside that different author where they really just dived into the facts and the science of this great audiobook, great written book, but it is a beast of a book. And it's called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And here's a fantastic one paragraph summary I found online. So, Credit to that person who wrote this. I'll put them in the show notes. I found to describe the importance of sleep in a nutshell. So if you're listening to this, if you've got a notepad, this is the thing to write down. Sleep enhances our ability to learn 
memorize and make logical decisions. So if you are struggling to make decisions quickly, if you're just, if you're struggling to decide, shall I go to growthtribes.com and become a supporter of the Growth Tribes podcast, then it could be a lack of sleep is making that decision slower. So that's an example. If it recalibrates, so sleep recalibrates our emotions, restocks our immune system, which is critical right now, as you'll know, fine tunes our metabolism and regulates our appetite. We just spoke about that in the first section. There you go. Now, lack of sleep is also associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, immune system failure, stroke, heart failure, cancer, dementia, skin problems, and overeating. The food stuff we've already discussed with you, but think about what we're going through right now, Ro, in as a global economy, the pandemic, job losses, etc., which are already going to initiate this feeling of anxiety, depression. Now pair that with somebody sitting at home, maybe going to sleep later, maybe starting to watch documentary uh, films, documentaries, etc., on uh, streaming services, Netflix, Amazon Prime. They spend overuse of time on social media, and it's pushing their sleep back further and further which will have a further impact on the depression, anxiety, which later down the line, you know, that ticking time bomb that we spoke about at the start of this episode is stroke, heart failure, cancer, dementia. This doesn't just turn up overnight, but sleep has now been discovered to have such a contributing factor to avoiding some of these common diseases, overly common diseases. Now, deep breath, that may have maybe a lot to take in, in terms of importance of sleep, but we sleep approximately a third of our life. And it was that thought that made me want to deep dive into the subject. Mm. But spending time with Roe and having a look at his past events, he's also showed me that he's been talking about the importance of sleep for decades. So Roe, over to you on the topic of sleep. Yeah. What can someone do? And what have you done personally? Because I asked this question to you because you are a go-getter. You're somebody who runs events and these events can mean you have very little sleep. Mm some of the high performance activities and tasks you do mean you work late into the night, you prioritize family first, so you'll spend quality time with them in the daytime, which means you sometimes work in these strange hours of the night. Now, what's your thoughts on sleep and how, has, how do you feel it's impacted your life? Mm, this is this is a great subject and it's one I've kind of flowed in and out of and had a love affair with sleep another time, <laughs> a frustrating wrestling match with lack of sleep. The other thing as well, I think, Harms, we should mention is that there's been now sufficient studies to show that, and I can't remember the exact number of hours you need to sleep less, but it is a matter of days before it has effect. But by only sleeping, I again, I don't quote on this, but in the book, he covers this in more science. I think it's if you only average six hours a night for two or three nights, it's the equivalent of having an alcohol level, which is above the legal limit for driving. If Correct. You were to test, if you were tested on it, your cognitive response behavior and your reaction time is that of somebody that's actually been drinking well interestingly enough lawmakers are now discussing how they can if, if you had an accident for example and you uh, and the accident was severe uh, let, let's put it that way now they will look at your phone patterns that's right they will understand you know what was your usage of social media when was you online the days the nights before the nights before Were you scrolling at 2 a.m in the morning because if you drove and you was tired and that resulted in the accident because it will because of that drunkenness level that road just described then you know you are guilty in that in that scenario so sleep is now being taken seriously even by lawmakers 
Yeah. And this is now, you know, we're talking about all major industries now. So the flight industry, pilots, mm. train drivers, uh, there's a genuine concern that we've completely underestimated and overlooked the impact of lack of sleep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the reason I took an interest in it is because I found myself and I studied a lot of professional speakers and people that are out there. And I grew up in the era where you, you, you sleep when you die. Uh, have you heard that term? Yeah, it, was an it still 80s goes thing. on. Okay, it still so goes on. That was an 80s thing. Yeah. Edison talked about the same thing. Ed, when Edison invented the light bulb, part of his philosophy is we don't need to sleep. If we can create light bulbs, we can work through the night, etc. So he was one of the early purveyors of the concept of who needs to sleep. We just worked late, but he didn't have a very good ending. I think he had problems with a, com- a number of things, one of which was, I think it was to do with uh, blood sugar problems, et cetera, but diabetes potentially. But if you go and look up the history of Edison and a lot of people that, da- a lot of people that have historically, uh, politicians, et cetera, that sleep very little, have struggling periods in their uh, later age. We even now know that Alzheimer's disease, for example, yes. has been coupled with it. Memory loss is significantly linked with lack of sleep to the point where now the studies show that during your sleep, your short-term memory uploads to your long-term hard drive memory, the short-term day memories. So somebody that does not sleep, and they've actually proved this by even doing this during daytime naps, somebody that doesn't sleep properly or misses that window, you know, when melatonin kicks in, we'll talk about in a minute, around one, two o'clock in the morning. Um, if they go to bed too late, the short-term memory doesn't upload. Mm. So they start to get forgetful. If you ever notice, if you listen to this and you ever notice how if you have long periods of no sleep, you, ha- you just forget things or you can't remember things short-term. Exactly. Because we haven't actually uploaded that to our long-term hard drive. We haven't had an opportunity to put it in the f- mental filing cabinet, store it away, put a label on it so we can access that easily. And this isn't a metaphor. This is actually scientifically proven. There's actual signals now that they can see. They've nailed it down to precise brain pulses. So going back to your question, I I had to really review it because I was modeling people who I was inspired by, but actually if I look at them now, they've had some pretty tough physical reactions to lack of sleep. Yeah. So I found myself, you know, in the early days I could I could quote unquote go for four hours sleep and then get up the next day and keep performing. Yeah. But I didn't attribute that fuzziness, the forgetfulness, the frustrated irritability starting to feel a few aches and pains and stuff. I didn't attribute that to lack of sleep. I just said, oh, it must be diet. It must be hereditary. It might be because you're doing the event. You know, you're yeah, on yeah, your yeah. feet. Oh, I must be tired. This is part and parcel of what I'm doing. Yeah. So for me, it's been a bit of a dance. And in reality, we aim to get seven to eight hours sleep. We've got two kids. So if you're a parent, you know that's not necessarily achievable. But the problem is, and I think you fall into this category as well, Harminder, is that when you want to achieve a goal you're pursuing a purpose or trying to build something like a business and if you've got children by the time you put your children to bed you should really be going into the nighttime routine which nature would have allowed us to do it gets dark you naturally go to sleep get up when the sun rises there's your eight hours we don't do that we switch on a light and now we've got artificial light that allows us to stay up all night so we have had a history certainly in our family of trying to eat back those lost hours but that means going to bed later and then still getting up with the kids, which might be six or seven o'clock. So then you're averaging only six or seven hours. So it has been a slow progress for me. I think there's been periods where I've been really good and other periods when I'm intensely working. But I had to start to monitor it, which is where I brought my aura ring, which I'll talk about in a minute. So if you said to me, what is the main thing that I've done is I genuinely monitor my feelings. Like I told you today, mm. I look at my body and I, I used to blame it on too much exercise or I've eaten badly, but I can eat really freaking well. I can exercise well 
And if I go for three or four or five hours sleep, I can feel like shit. And it feels like it eradicates all of that good work. All the good work. Mm. In fact, this conversation we've been having just recently is we can eat really healthy, but if we keep doing some late nights to try and catch up with stuff, it kind of neutralizes it. Yeah. So everything we just talked about with your diet can almost be outbalanced by this lack of sleep. It is, I honestly believe it is actually above everything else, you know, outside of breathing properly. <laughs> I, I, I agree because I was very strict on my sleep and seven, eight, sometimes nine hours, just standard. That would be... If I didn't have that, I wouldn't operate. And <laughs> for before. some growth tribes listeners who are aware, I've, <laughs> I've just had a newborn baby who's three weeks old and three weeks and a couple of days. So now I'm I'm experiencing... He looks 60. The <laughs> the uh, the description that Ro just, you know, just described, the irritability, the, the feeling of fuzziness, the not being able to focus. And it's... I can tell you from somebody who's gone from a really great sleep habit a great sleep habit to somebody who hasn't it's it's painful so i'm going to be working out how to manage that myself yeah. if it is manageable with a newborn i've heard it's impossible but we'll see well so so what he talks about really well in the book is power naps doesn't he yes and the benefit of a 20 30 40 minute power nap in the course of a day is without a doubt scientifically proven now to allow your body to consolidate memories to help with the immune system, to balance out some of the hormonal changes that are happening during the course of the day and bring back a little bit of swing into your mojo. So, you know, mm. I started doing that after our kids were born. I used to resist it and resist it. It was like, you don't go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Ariana Huffington talks about they have an area where people go to sleep. Yeah. If you walk past somebody's office and having a sleep at 1.30 in the afternoon, in the old days when I grew up, you were chastised. You're told, you know, do that again, you're going to be fired. So is this a cultural thing? Because some cultures already understood this yeah. before this book came out, yeah, the science yeah. came South out. South America. South America. Mediterraneans. Uh, the Japanese, places in Spain. I mean, this is a standard process for them. Yeah. And it almost gives them a, a, a fresh energy, a fresh vitality going into the second part of the day. Yeah, if you go to Barcelona during the day, everything's shut because they're all having a siesta. Mm. They're just relaxing and sleeping. But we in, you know, this Western Northern Hemisphere is like, do, 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 do. And, and uh, it's quite counterintuitive because the sleep would actually help better productivity. But by saying don't sleep, our productivity gets affected. So yeah. they almost haven't grasped exactly. the understanding of it. And if you want a big red triangular warning sign for those of you that are parents, holy shit. If your kids are going to a school, and this is a conflict we've had more recently, and we've, you know, we've made some big decisions off the back of this as well. If you go, your kids go to a school where they're starting 8.30, 8 o'clock, actually... That does not fit with their circadian rhythm. Our natural circadian rhythm has a point where between 11 and 7, it goes into this curve where you sleep well and you go through the production of melatonin. And if you're not sure what melatonin does, it's the part of the, you know, it's one of these amazing hormones that's produced around one, two o'clock in the morning, thereabouts. There's a peak period and it helps the body go through recovery, repair. It has antioxidant uh, anti-cancer benefits. It's really powerful in that. Inhibits the proliferation of a wide range of cancer cell types. It's been proven now. Categorically, you mentioned it earlier on as well. Mm. Um, so lack of that, if you eat into that, people that have worked through the night, that, that, that go to bed at one, two, three, four in the morning, you know, there's been signs of their body now manifesting illness, which other people that sleep through the night properly don't. So kids who are forced to get up early are still being woken up during a part of their circadian rhythm, during the part of their sleep patterns where there's recovery, there's memory reallocation going on, we've got REM sleep, we've got deep sleep, etc. And we're just disrupting it with digital products like phones, with lights, blue light, uh, screens. We really have fucked around with sleep over the years. Agree. And the really, the interesting thing that really just stood out to me was 
that yes, the adults sleep circadian rhythm and think about the circadian rhythm as a cycle you will go through throughout the night. Yeah. And it's a perfect cycle built for you as an adult. Now the child slash teenager circadian rhythm is actually, mm. it shifts slightly. So if you, right. it just shifts slightly later. So actually their circadian rhythm and that process of sleep actually ends later in the morning. So when your child is going to school at 7, 8 a.m., they should actually just be waking up. Especially around a teenage, I mean, teenage, early teenage, big, yes. which is a challenge, particularly for studying, isn't it? Yeah. And parents getting frustrated because the kids haven't gone to sleep. But it's essential. So that lying that we get, you know, I used to get my ass kicked. Hey, you're lying in, you're lying in. But what I didn't realize now the science is out is that my circadian rhythm was shifted that way. So parents, don't be too hard on your teenagers. But if you want to be serious about this, go deep dive into the subject of sleep and you may ease off them slightly. And you know, what fascinated me when I read through his book as well was now schools in and universities, even in places like the States are becoming aware of this and they're shifting the study times. They're testing this. And so they're starting the kids later. The kids are happier. They're performing better. They're enjoying the experience of of, of studying. Mm. Whereas you go to a typical school, eight o'clock, nine o'clock start, kids just like, like they're being dragged to school. Their body has not woken up out of a natural evolutionary circadian rhythm it's designed, it's designed to take that us way. through that process and it's almost like as a adult, adult species we just never wondered why all kids are resistant to waking up at a certain time yeah we just never put two and two together but i'm glad and, and if you're thinking you know but you surely you can change this you can you can manipulate the body they've done tests in chambers they've taken people deep dive yeah. underground where there's no light and tests have been done and the body still sits in this like 23 24 hour mm. rhythmic process and it's slightly different the older you get, by the way, as well. But we can't fight this. And we are because we're creative, natural light. And, you know, Edison with this amazing invention, unfortunately, people have uh, taken it to the extreme. Uh, you know, and I've been through that. I've experienced it. And it, it can, I got to a point, I know I've mentioned this to you before, Harms, but I got to a point where I was getting erratic heart rhythms occasionally. Wow. And I was like, I started to log it and it always tied in to an extremely late night where I was just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. There we go. Drop back to normal sleep. And that was it. It was just the body going, to, you just got to calm down again. And I, I almost felt wired. There we go. So if I was to say, what's one big major negative effect of, you know, just really not taking the sleep seriously, disrupted night, late night, etc. What's one massive key component, which almost uh, is so important to just having an amazing day? Vitality. Okay. A shitty low vitality. I mean, it's the word to me that encompasses, you asked me at the beginning, what is health, is vitality. There's a thing called the aura ring, and we're going to push hard to see if we can get an interview with the inventor of the Let's aura get him ring. on. We've got to get him on the <laughs> podcast, because this ring was recommended to me by a good friend of mine called Yvonne, and I was watching her wear it. And I'm not a big jewelry person, but this thing is amazing. And the, the technology is constantly being uploaded. It's a bit like a Tesla. They can reprogram it. And add new things to so my body temperature, my skin temperature, my rhythmic behavior, my heart rate variability. And when I first got it, I thought, let me test it. You know, I, I do like gadgets and things, but actually I've noticed certain things. I just want to share a few with you. So for me, this is so powerful, this tool, that I can tell from the patterns what I've been doing the days before because of the number of times I've recorded it now. So if I have a late night, if I have interrupted sleep, if I've done too much physical exercise too late in the day, if I've eaten eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night, if I've uh, had a drink occasionally, as you said, you know, I think you and I had a beer about three or four, five months ago. Didn't yes. Over well, half, it was half, it was half a can, half of, a can each. Um, even that had an effect on my overall sleep. If I've had caffeine too late or if I've uh, drunk something too late to go into bed, 
all these things are recorded by the ring because it's measuring my body's biorhythmic behavior, etc. And it's crazy. And if I've been on a screen as well, I can actually see the patterns. Do you remember I showed you some of my sleep heart rate variability? Yes, the grass. And my body temperatures. Yes. And I was saying to Harms, that's when I went to bed at, and I got eight hours. That's when I got eight hours. That's when I got five hours. That's when I got five. And you could see the change. So this thing literally measures biologically how my body's being benefited or screwed up by lack of sleep. I love that. And what I love about that is one, it gives you a readiness score. And um, yes. I haven't got mine yet, but it gives you a readiness score. Yeah on how, almost how great is your day going to be? How ready are you for your awake time? Now, yeah. what it also, what you just described, bro, then is it allows you, because, you know, we can always have a list. So you're showing it, showing it to me right now and your readiness score is 68, which says pay attention and watch your steps because your readiness is on the low side. So your activity goal for today is to set. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. So we'll need to take sleep seriously after this podcast. Yeah. Because the readiness, readiness score is low. So, so, so the wing doesn't Harms, lie. Harms will tell you last night I slept for how many hours? Six hours, seven but minutes. But I slept well, which means during the night I didn't have a lot of wakes. Correct. There's other nights, like if I've been sleeping next to my daughter who's yeah. very restless, so you, you can log it so you can find out what in, interrupted your sleep. So what I like about that, okay, so, so some people say all I need is six hours sleep. Well, actually, Rose, an example here, who's, who eats super clean, super healthy, but even six hours sleep has reduced his readiness score to around 60, which means his readiness score is low. And that means he won't be at his optimum, optimum, I'm going to which say double it? optimum for Roe, because <laughs> even when his readiness score is 60, he can shoot a podcast like this. Do you remember I, I called you this morning and I said, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling flat. And that's my yeah. description of low vitality. That's different to energy, by the way, but we come to that in a minute. And what I love then is if you re- record it or measure it like this, everybody has a list or here's some things you should go to do in order to improve your sleep whereas this tells you exactly what you're doing wrong in order to improve it so it's a very detailed and incidentally it will affect your income it will because if you're not performing well i was speaking at an event uh, some months ago and that weekend i was all over the place my temperature it's the only Mm. time in the last year that my temperature showed a spike because it can measure variation in your temperatures and uh, i said it to harms and i said "It's it's been a crap weekend for me and you know from a business perspective if you're not performing well you can actually find yourself in a situation where you're blaming everybody else. But actually, I just, I just wasn't in a good place. Yeah. I hadn't looked after myself. There's a lot going on. I got run down. I fight back very quickly under the, most people would have just been wiped out. I was back in action within a day and a half, but the, the ring gave the clues. It was a rise in temperature. And that being able to spot that means you don't have to blame external factors. And as we know, we have to take ownership. And the aura ring, by the way, during COVID gave people to opt in or opt out because they could start to do mass monitoring of people's temperatures to find out if there's any patterns in sleep against their resistance, et cetera. And you mentioned about, is it MBA now? Of, uh... So they've got an official partnership with, and just for your, just for listeners' information, you know, we're not sponsored by these guys. No, we're not. You know, we're not affiliated <laughs> we're just, by them. just love the tool. We just love the tool. And they just recently are in association with the NBA. So the NBA players can feed back to them their sleep habits and how to improve and optimize health and that sort of peak performance that they are involved in. So on that note, let's give you one item. Because like I said, Roe has been covering sleep for decades now in the education that he shares with people. And one of the recipes that you will receive as a tip we're going to give you now, and remember as a Growth Tribe supporter, you get all of these over a 52-week period straight in your inbox, which is wonderful. Now, the tip to write down after we discuss all of this is just one thing to get started with, which is, and it's a simple one, and you may say, Harms, this is overly simple, but hopefully by now you've understood how important this simple tip is to your 
rest of your day, your readiness score, how good your how good your day will be. And that is go to bed earlier than usual and ensure that you have at least not six hours, but at least seven to eight hours sleep today. Ideally, you want to be winding down and getting to sleep around the 10, 11 o'clock mark and then seven to eight hours after that rising. And what you'll find is after doing this for a couple of weeks, you'll naturally start to rise and the alarm clock will go away. So that's the tip. And just so if you're wondering why that happened is because the circadian rhythm literally starts to move you into the lighter sleep as you're coming through to that six, seven o'clock. So you naturally will wake up there. And this is the beauty of this natural rhythm, but you've got to let it be natural because if you force it, you're jumping into it and it hasn't finished its process. Exactly. And, you know, for people who are maybe questioning the sleep and you think, okay, I might be a night owl, I might be a day owl, whatever that is, just have a read of the book because they do describe that in detail. There are night owls that exist. That is true. Yeah. I'm a bit of a night owl. And, but you have to still manage your sleep as a night owl. That doesn't mean that means you can be awake during the night and the day, which is (laughs) night owl may fall, fall, the trap they may fall into. And and actually that's a fair point. And I, I, you know, I am, I think having read it and understood it now, I think you're, what would you say you are? I'm, I'm a day owl, but it's, it's happened over time. Yeah, I used okay. to be a night owl. I'm right. a day owl. I very much start to flag at 9, 10 PM. So we used to sometimes now do- you've got, now you've got a little boy, you're going to go back to night owl. <laughs> I'm back to that 24 hours owl. Um, okay. So the final one, before we go into part two and the final category that we're going to discuss is vitality and vitality mm. Rowe has mentioned is such a powerful word. Yeah. Now, before we describe what that is, number one, what is vitality? And number two, what is different between vitality and energy? Because mm, in the past, I used to get confused with this and often people do confuse energy and vitality. I think, you know, we've described a lot of it already, but for me, vitality is just that feeling of waking up and feeling really on point everything seems to fall into place you're in your flow things are clicking your communication with people is great you've got a much greater awareness your sensory acuity which is your ability to pick things up around you your radar is is crystal clear and you are tuned into the universe around you such that synchronicities happen you know you you're saying the right things you feel really successful, whatever that means to, for you, and you're just aligned with people. So that that's that really vibrant feeling that you are on top of the world in a physical, emotional, and energetic way. And I'll come to energy in a minute. But does so that does that description make sense? That does. I'll give you a breakdown in a minute. That does. So if somebody says, "Oh my God, I feel so alive today," exactly. that's another that's way to, to describe me, it. Yeah. I feel so alive today. Right. Uh, for me, I would add vitality. For me, is I feel that same level of vitality throughout the day. Yes. I don't it's consistent. Have, it's consistent. Yeah. I feel consistent. So that's exactly right. Mm. And it's a consistent vitality. You asked about energetic or energy. That's a great question. Energy to me is if you've got lots of energy, it, it just means you're buzzing a lot. You know, you, you push somebody that's bouncing around a lot ah. can appear to be vital, but they may not have all of those other characteristics. I mean, okay. So let me just try and explain this. So to me, just drilling down a bit further, going down the rabbit hole, it's clap vitality is clarity of mind really clear thinking in any situation it's a vitality is in that moment of okay how do we make a decision what do we do now how do we get through this problem and you've got this sense of vitality it's also a greater sense of purpose so you are you're really focused but you feel this drive and nothing's stopping you and it's non-stop it's like 
the thing about vitality is it's an emotional, physical, spiritual, and bodily experience. Whereas energy is essentially just a fuel experience for me. It's like yes. how much can you burn before the energy runs out? If that makes any sense. So it's almost like you know, it's the person who's had a low day. They've maybe skipped breakfast, or right. they've had a poor breakfast, <laughs> early coffee, and or the night before they were eating poor food, or they've just grabbed a hash brown from that bur- hash brown and a. Uh, an egg sandwich from that burger joint that we spoke about. and But before they get to their critical meeting, it's a sales meeting, it's a pitch, it's an important client they're talking to, they sort of psych themselves up. Have an energy drink. Have an energy drink, that red drink. They have. They just fuel themselves up for that yeah. moment in yeah, time. Yeah. And then there's a... They're on a peak. It's almost a peak. Yeah. Like a, okay, that makes sense. But they come away from that and they appeared energetic during that period. But then if you talk to them an hour later, they might be hit a flat. They're like, oh man, fuck, I need no drink. Or, yes. And it's like this really... F- so that's not vital. That's like energetic bursts. Mm. And you can have the two marrying each other. And if somebody's got great vitality, they should have natural energy anyway. So if you have avocados and your natural yes. smoothies, etc. Other things to look for is a physical vitality. So they just feel more physically engaged. Emotionally, they're more stable. So under pressure, they are much more alert. They don't seem to be phased. Yes, they might you know, feel a little bit of that what's going on, but they all seem to be steady. Yes. And, and, and it's not just a static steadiness or a bursty, right, come on, let's get on and do yeah. this. That's an energy, that, it's more of a steady vital. And I think the word, the other word for me is this, this engaged with you. When you talk to somebody that's vital, they're totally present. You, talk, you can feel their energy in that moment. Yes. And they're kind of, they're in the moment with you, but they're listening, they're thinking it through. Whereas somebody who's very energy burst, they'll go down one rabbit hole and that's it. They're, yes. They're, 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 oh. Often people who are high energy or that burst of energy, they'll pick up on a couple of words and focus on that. Whereas the person who's vital, who's got a consistent energy can listen to the whole conversation, the exactly. context, the what's what's not being said. What does this person need? How can I help this person? That comes from having that vitality. Yeah. Yes. And, and if you ever come out, sometimes you might hear me say to somebody, you look so vital. When I look at somebody and they've got like a radiant energy, their eyes look clear, their hair looks clear, their skin looks well, and they're sort of talking to you with their eyes versus somebody that looks completely knackered, but they're sort of buzzing because they've had a quick sugary drink. Yes. There's a totally different person. Ah, I, so I get it, that. it is a radiant emission of that human person's soul, you know, that's that's important as well, I think. Okay. So what's the best way for either somebody to notice this with themselves or what action can they do in order to either track their vitality, understand their vitality, make sure that they're not focusing on energy, but instead are starting to tune in with how vital they are? Um, I think that's a cracking question. We've talked a little bit about the feelings to observe, but I think a logical way to do this, and we used to do this with a health event, we get people to track it leading into the event, is number one, on an hourly basis. I mean, if you can really do it every half an hour, but even over a day, if you can get 12 hours of this, it's amazing. Every single hour, best to do it on the hour so it's easy to remember, you just have a log and the log states how you feel from a vitality perspective. Now, if you want to do it kind of physical, so you could have a little table that says my physical vitality, Mm. my emotional vitality, my mental vitality, emotional, maybe how emotionally stable you feel, but mental could be your sharpness in in cognitive things. And then you could do one on spiritual vitality. That's four things logged every hour. Or you could just simply say my overall feeling of vitality Yes, on a scale of one to 10. One is you're feeling really shitty and you just don't feel vital at all. 10 is like you're totally on it. You know, you've got a clear mind, clear body. You're thinking clear, emotionally feel stable. And you just feel really spiritually connected. So if you can do that on an hourly basis, 
throughout a day, you will 100% see a pattern without a doubt. And this ties back to the sleep we talked about and the diet. So step two then is to note any questions on that. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. So we're just doing a check. You can do this in your notes. If somebody wants to make a Growth Tribes podcast app, which is a vitality checker, feel free. Let us know. <laughs> uh, you know how to get contact with us. <laughs> Brilliant. Step two is note what you ate and drank. Now, Again, this is another thing we used to do with just food. We used to just do a food diary. So it's like a food diary. But you've got to tie that into these hourly checks. So as you're going through the hours, some things will change. You'll either go up yeah. or down or you might stay the same. What did you eat just maybe the first couple of hours before that? So in between these hours, what are you doing with your body? The vehicle that's carrying you through, are you fueling it? And if you're fueling it, what are you fueling it with? Food and drink. And it has to be done on an hourly basis because a snack i didn't eat anything yeah but what's that bag of chris over there oh yeah but that wasn't really food you, you bloody ate some food That's, yes <laughs> and this is being honest with yourself now and you know the first two sections what's that wrapper described? down there exactly exactly what's oh, that that's just a kit cap but that's not food is it that's just a snack okay but it's sugar exactly um so i think that's what we forget to do step three is what are your moods so now what we're doing is at that moment in time we're logging our overall vitality, what we ate, this could be a five minute exercise if we get into a routine. And then how's your mood? Are you feeling happy, sad, depressed, angry, aggressive, frustrated? Try and put a word to it and keep it simple because there will be a pattern to show up. Yeah. Irritable is often yeah. one, re very reactive. Somebody says something to you and you just bite back or something like that. That often appears. I feel that sometimes. So yeah. yes, note your mood and emotional step. That's step three. And then um, the fourth step is, and do this early in the morning is, is what was your sleep like last night? So uh, keep a log of your sleep. I'm just trying to pull this up in front of me. See if I can show Harminda what I wrote. Because it's, it's not only just last night, well, it's, it's also the two or three nights. Yeah. So it needs to be, that, right? it needs to yeah. be ideally the night. Yeah, you're right. Like the last few days before. Okay. So what I do now is I can, um, I can add into here, into my app. If I'm having a tough day or I'm feeling a bit odd, I want to make a note what happened the night before and how do I wake up in the morning because this can actually start to log that but you can do this in a little booklet try and do it as early as possible so you're honest with yourself I woke up at seven I went to bed at two good now that then yes. let's see what happens for, for the course of the day how's your vitality and why that's important is because when you sleep less we've already told you your memory will fade you won't be sharp <laughs> so you will make up the time oh yeah I think it was a I woke that, up at 6 a.m. today. That is brilliant. I'm part of the 6 a.m. club, but in reality, you woke up at 8.30 or something. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you're doing it properly, you will know the last two or three days anyway. Mm. But if you're starting it tomorrow, then what happened two or three days before? Because it won't just be, as Harminder said, last night's sleep. It'll be a compounding effect because, unfortunately, it's not like a bank account. You can't really catch it up. Correct. And that might be a shock to you, but it's a fact. And then step five is... And this is really an ongoing process now. Do it for two weeks. Don't do it for a week. Don't do it for a few days. Do it for at least two. I mean, in an ideal world, do it for a month. But even if you did it for two weeks, that's 14 days, you can start to see a pattern now. You can't see a pattern over a few days. Uh, you have to do it consistently over two, three, four weeks, and you will start to see, ah, this is when I'm feeling like this, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling up, this is what I eat, it's how I sleep. And now we can start to work on your vitality and what things you can do to improve that. Incredible. So that note we just mentioned there is again one of those recipes of success that you will get in your email inbox, which is log your vitality levels from one to five throughout the day. One being very low and five being totally vibrant. And 
notice when you feel most vibrant and what triggered it. Was it the certain foods? Was it the certain drinks? Was it the certain sleep? And that's why we've sort of put these items in this order leading up to vitality. And we're going to share a few more category, categories with you in episode number two, part two of what we have spoken about today. Now, we've talked nonstop for 90 minutes on <laughs> just three areas. Vital. That, that, okay, so we have vitality with us today. It, you know, even though Rose readiness score is 60 something, it's, uh, that's, that's probably your score at 60 is probably most people's 120. And there'll be a lot of listeners who've attended your events who will vouch for that. Now, on the note of events, I have heard you share, and this is normally in a private arena or private audience yeah. setting where you're helping inspire or educate somebody to give them a bit of guidance and direction yeah. on your value as health and what your statement is around that. And I wondered if you would like to, or you'd be open to sharing it with the Growth Tribes listeners. So this is a purpose statement, Harmind is okay. talking about, or a vision statement. I prefer to call it a vision statement because a purpose statement is slightly different. And that's a conversation for another one of our podcasts. Essentially, for five or six areas of my life, I have a statement that relates to, as an example, me as a, a, a partner in a relationship, me as a parent, me as a professional speaker, uh, me as an entrepreneur, how my relationship is with money. And another one, of course, is health here as well. So um, I'll read this out again. If you want to be a thief, you can. We might even, should we, we could post it in the. If you're open to that, um, then I will put this in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Maybe if enough people say they want it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll read it out to you. I wake up every day with a feeling of purpose and passion towards what the day will bring. This is important to me, by the way, because I think if you start the day with a lack of that, it kind of just transpires through the whole day. Uh, I have a purpose to help others and love being healthy and vibrant so that I can serve my family, my friends, and those who are on a path of true inspirational growth. Do bear in mind as I'm reading this out that this, when I write a purpose statement, a vision statement down, everything integrates across who I am as an individual. So it's not designed to be specific to health. Mm -hmm. It's part of who I am. So you'll notice there's emphasis there on helping other people as well. Amazing. So just want to just a touch a note there, which is as a listener of the Growth Tribe's podcast you are on a path of true inspirational growth yeah so i love this because this statement would have been with you a long time and you're embodying this statement by what we do here on the podcast as well thank you um can i mention i don't know if i'm allowed to do a plug here but the people that are supporting us one of our supporter levels gives them access to some of the videos that I've created that are obviously quite private, but I go into there on a whole series on purpose. So how to create statements like this, how to craft them, how to extract them from different areas of their lives. So if they're inspired by this, that might be something to consider. Incredible. So become a Growth Tribe supporter to get access to that perk. You just have to go to growthtribes.com. Okay, we're back to your statement. So, so I'm going to carry on reading it. And then obviously this is just all, all part of one very strong uh, statement. So with each deep breath, I remind myself that I can and I am a beacon of light. I have boundless energy and always fuel my body with live energizing foods. I start each day with neutral food and drink and a drink that cleanses my body and my soul and which allows me to release toxins from the day before. I remember to rest, to meditate, and to keep myself topped up. I love to stretch and exercise my body and carry myself with dignity. I shine like the sun and I walk with the strength, the power, and the confidence of the last samurai. 
I choose to live a long, notice the emphasis on choose there, I choose to live a long and healthy life so that I'm able to inspire others and lead by example. My body is my temple and I feed it with clean, vibrant, live food and water. With passion, I help my body and mind to grow younger every day. I love my life, I love my body, and I love my soul, which is why I choose to cleanse it, flush it, and honor it. Amazing. So thank you for sharing that, which I know has only been shared in a private setting and giving us permission to put it on the show notes as well. I think that's an amazing way to finish part one about talking about a holistic approach on how to approach health and your body, especially in the incredible, strange, weird time that we are in at the moment. So thanks for ending on that note. That's myself and Rose signing out from the Growth Tribes podcast. We shall see you for part two to close off the discussion around its holistic view on the body. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast.